Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. I think that Joshua puts more eyes on the price. After that Fury performance, you go, what is the biggest fight in boxing today? I think the biggest fight in heavyweight boxing right now, through intrigue, is Joshua versus Wilder. Welcome to Talk Boxing with Simon Jordan and Spencer Oliver. This is episode 47. As always, don't forget to keep liking and subscribing to the channel and uh, leaving questions in the comment section below. I'm in the midst of a bit of a conundrum because apparently, strangely, perhaps tragically, Spencer's done a, a lot of research. So we'll look forward to what that plays out in the show. And also, I've been led to the, to the understanding that there's something relatively interesting coming. Not, not that's dreadful, like nothing else is interesting, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, that something quite significant is coming in one of our uh, uh, shows that are coming in the future. So keep your eye out for that, because it could be very interesting. Spence, all right, mate? You okay? Simon, all good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, went to the uh, fireworks. By the, way, by the way, before you say that I've done, been doing some research, etc., yeah. etc., no, I just put a couple of suggestions Okay. Towards the show. Well, so. given that you very rarely put any suggestions, and that's, I would and that's why that our producer respect, Pat yeah. was um, so pleased, so surprised, and yeah, that's where we're at. Good week, bad week. Yeah, good week, yeah. really good week. Mm-hmm. Every week's a good week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to the fireworks display last night. The only chance I've got recently of having, having a bang of any sort. Um, <laughs> How was a, that, by the way? It was okay. Hot it dog? was okay. Yes, Hot yes, dog? my three-year-old son on my shoulders. <laughs> um, right. One of the subjects that you brought up, and we were discussing. Um, off air was the ongoing debate about the value of the Tyson Fury and Garno experience, mm-hmm. and figures have come out, and, I'm, I'm, and, and I don't know why they're coming out, but obviously there's a is a blowback to the success. I think a lot of the noise that Tyson made is causing a ripple in people's minds about what they actually got to witness mm. and how spectacular this event was, and how everyone should be to be a buy into it. Um, the pay per view numbers are coming out. I think the interest in, in, in this was that people were interested to see what the crossover would be and, yeah. and w- whether the pay-per-view numbers would exceed what you'd get in a big-time boxing match. I think, that, and that, I think that was the interest. I think that's probably why the numbers have come out. 
um, because the numbers were the numbers were not as high as they were expecting. I think. Well, the rumours that are doing the rounds are that they got four hundred thousand buys on TNT, right? Yeah. But the one that that, that people are really alighting upon is the fifty six thousand buys they got on ESPN. Yes, right. Right. Now to give that some context, because that doesn't look like big numbers, does it? No. So let's not forget that the zone had it free to air as well yep. in certain territories. Absolutely. So that adds to the equation. But one yep. would have expected to have seen bigger numbers. And when we when we look at the, do you know what the biggest pay per view numbers have ever been? Do you know what the fight was? The biggest pay per view numbers. Um, I I think it was Mayweather versus McGregor. Was yep. it four point eight million? Four point six million. Four point six million. Yeah. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. So when we get context, and then you had Mayweather Pacquiao number two. I think at about mm. four million or somewhere around yep. there. And then you've got Anthony Joshua, you know, you've gone down, the, the, you've, you've had Tyson fighting, Frank Bruno, you've had Tyson fighting, yeah. Evander Holyfield, around the 2 million uh, mark. Anthony Joshua was around 1.6, 1.8 million, I believe, against yeah. Klitschko. Yeah, and 1.2 and 1.4s on a yeah. regular basis. Yeah. Um, but the 400,000 that they got, I mean, do you think this shows anything? I mean, the, the Errol Spence, Terence Crawford fight got yeah. 700,000 buys. Yeah. Right. The Tommy Fury, and Jake Paul fight got 800,000 buys. Yeah. Right. So when you see and, and hear that Tyson, because they're, they're talking about this unprecedented success, and Frank and his uh, entourage are talking about the, the enormity of the event. And when you hear these sort of figures, what does it tell us? If well, they're to be believed? Well, I think, it was, it, I think it, the, the surprise was that the figures were as low as they were because... Obviously, with the crossover, you're thinking Ngannou's bringing his, his crowd. Tyson Fury is is the number one heavyweight in our sport. So what does it tell us? It, it tells us that maybe, is he the pay, biggest pay-per-view star in, you know, in boxing? Hmm. On those numbers, you would say no. You know, like, but also, is there an appetite for the crossover, crossover boxing? I think that was the big one for me because I thought that the numbers would be maybe a million. I thought that's where we would be because Ngannou has a huge following as well. I was surprised that the numbers... Is, were as low as they were, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, I mean, it tells you, I mean, obviously, in America, there was very little interest in it. None, yeah. Um, and we were talking, and I saw various analysis being made about how much this fight cost, right? Because I was under the impression, and I, and I really don't care either which way, but for the purpose of the discussion, that Fury was getting the best part of 50 mil. Yeah. And Ngannou was getting 10 mil, but now I'm being told it's 30 mil. Yeah, and that but that's the, US, right? Dollars, dollars, yeah, but yeah. if you take 1.2, yeah, yeah, it's 1.2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still it's still 40 right. million quid and, yeah. and 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 25 million quid. So it's still still significant scale. And then the rest of the event was undercards and cost implications mm. and all the celebrities being flown in at the cost at the cost of the Saudis. And that this was not an event that would break even, and that was something that people needed to pay attention to. But I I, I think people are missing. The intention behind this. I don't think oh, yeah. the Saudis could give a rat's ass about so what, what it costs. So what are we talking? We're talking like, you're talking what, 100, 100 120 million but, or something like that to put the actual stage event and everything that's surrounding it. But no, that was a question I was going to ask you. So yeah. you go, well, you're looking at the profits on that and there's about 16 million quid in profits. So like, let's say they're minus, minus 115 million or something like that. But when you, what is the... But what is the reasoning? Like you, like well, we have this conversation. Care. I don't think they give the slightest. I mean, if people are talking, so what is the purpose behind those? Because they're, now, they get because they're announcing the themselves on the stage right, okay. of an ability to be able to host such events. I mean, when you talk about the Saudis, 
and the, the wealth that they've got. They've spent £800 million on transfer fees in, the, in, in football in the last two or three months. They're bringing footballers in on £25-30 million a year. The, the economics of whether this fight made money or not is incidental right? because it's not about that. At some point, the Saudis will want sport and everything they do to stand on its own two feet. But this is a marketing campaign. This is a launching of the sequence of the, of the Middle Eastern ability to be able to house, uh, and house and host the biggest events. Now, whether you think... So it's that, not about pay-per-view numbers? Well, nobody wants low pay-per-view numbers. Nobody wants numbers that aren't reflective of the value of the, of, the, of the environment. But I think a lot of this is because the Western media, and by that I mean people like us, mm. weren't particularly complimentary about the lead-up to the fight. Yeah. Didn't think it was a fight befitting of the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. Certainly, post the event, don't think it was a performance befitting of the mm. WBC heavyweight champion of the world. And it does bring into question... Um, because I think Fury... Do you think it would have had a black backlash, though, off the back of Fury Usyk not being made before that? Do you think that that would have affected this fight because we got Ngannou instead and people were going, well, I'm not paying for that because we want the undisputed? Well, it depends whose argument you want to hear. I mean, Obviously, if you, I mean from the public in general. Yeah, but the, at the end of the day, the public, with respect to the public, are often given a reason to... I mean, we, we, we both said to, us, to, the, to, the, to the ether and to the, to the fighters themselves that the Fury versus Chisora fight wasn't a great fight. Mm. Yet Frank will tell us, Frank Warren, that when, you, when we go on sale for the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the middle of December, we sell out the event. Mm. So live has produced a certain outcome. The pay-per-views, I don't know what they were, but the, the, I think the key question you take from this is, does crossover fights like this, they may well do now, because they've just seen the heavyweight champ of the world put on his ass, yeah. right? So yeah. they may well think that the, the little dance that was engineered between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, yeah. that got four and a half million views, uh, yeah. four and a half million buys, um, that was really Floyd Mayweather carrying him around the ring for as long as it was interesting. It, it would have probably affected the, the sales on this one because people would have thought it would have been the same outcome. Now Fury's been on the seat of his ass in the third yeah. round, it may actually increase the interest. There may be more of an appetite for it. Because I, I, I believe that this, this crossover thing is going to continue. Yeah. I think that you know, we're gonna, there is going to be more of it. But I also think it raises the question because I've made this point on a number of occasions about Fury and Joshua and how Fury went over to America, um, did his Nacho Libre impressions, did his Apollo Creed stuff, right? went and fought Wilder in America and did decent numbers and I thought he'd cracked the American marketplace. And Anthony Joshua had gone over there. He wasn't particularly well known. There wasn't yeah. a huge opinion of him um, uh, uh, in terms of the body of work that he had, and probably when you look more and more at his body of work, I think there's some unfairness, and some of it from me as well. He gets knocked on his backside by Andy Ruiz, gets the rematch in, in, in Saudi, but the question is, is Fury as big a deal in boxing terms as we think he is? Because I think, I think, and it's not because I'm a convert, yeah. and all of a sudden I've had an epiphany, I think that Joshua puts more eyes on the price. I think there's something about Anthony Joshua, and, and it may well be like the Adam Catterall argument, yeah. when you look at Fury's body of work, six world title fights, three against the same fella, yeah. two against, or well, five, two against others that uh, he's already beaten. And then you look at Joshua's, he's had 12 world title yeah. fights, um, and his body of work would look on paper to be more significant. And then you look at the pay-per-views, 
that Anthony has gotten, yeah. whether it's 1.2 million or 1.4 million against Joseph Parker or whatever it is. Mm. And I think, there's an, I think there's a debate suggesting that he got a million or best part of against Robert Hellenius. Yeah, yeah. Right? All of this, I think, if you put Joshua in the fight against Ngannou, yeah, he does I, think, more. I think you'd have got more. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Absolutely. And this is why, this is where, why I'm, why, why I'm, I am where I am. Because Anthony Joshua, coming through that 2012 Olympics, you know, he was, he was the, he was the, he was, he was the star, you know, mm. he was the poster boy in the Olympics, coming through, you know, his whole journey and everything else, it sort of captured the imagination. So he, he captured people outside of the sporting world, outside of the boxing world, you know, he become, he, he become globally famous. And I think that that's why people love the story. But not right? in America. They loved not they're not America. in America, or maybe even so, let's just say in England then, he become everybody who's anybody knows who Anthony Joshua is. Do you think broadcasters have anything to play? Because well, I just of, think that, one of the I, journeys... I think he was inspirational and I think that that made a big part of but whilst he's, why, why he gets so many big numbers. But let me ask you, let me repackage that then. Do you think that if this had been on Sky, this would have got a better buy-in? I think it would have got a better buy-in on Sky anyway, yeah, because of the platform. But um, So it's I, interesting because Joshua obviously built his career, broadcasting-wise, yeah. on the back of Sky. Yeah. And, and, his, and of course his achievements, mm-hmm. and then pivoted onto DAZN yeah. when, that, when the Sky relationship had run its course or mm-hmm. whatever, or Matchroom and Sky had run their course. Sure. Um, and I just think that we're now moving into territory where I, I read a really interesting article, and I think Frank Warren's spitting about it, written by a guy called Rick Broadbent, mm-hmm. that was very, very disparaging of the whole fiasco and he cited what he considers to be a fiasco of the WBC heavyweight champion of the world going into a fight with an MMA fighter, getting knocked on his backside, using analogies like ping pong player playing against Novak Djokovic uh, on a Wimbledon final and expecting to win, and this is the analogy that he used in conjunction with Francis Ngannou, Um, and that it actually brought an element of discredit to the sport and Mm -hmm. that the WBC should be ashamed of themselves for 
facilitating a solution yeah, sure. and providing this sort of outcome. And, and if these numbers arise, then they add weight to that argument. The fact that Tyson's got paid X amount of money mm -hmm. is because Frank Warren is skillful enough to have stolen a march on everybody other promoter, got his relationship yeah. with the PIF fund, opened it with an event that they weren't particularly worried about in terms of does it wash its face? Because yeah. again, the argument that we, we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, and I see being aired on various social media platforms via various boxing so-called aficionados, that this hasn't made its money back. Well, you're, you, you, you're misguided if yeah. you think the Saudis were bothered by that. Yeah, absolutely. This absolutely. was simply... That was, a, not, that was not the purpose of it. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It was a fiesta. Yeah. It was basically, here we are, we are now here, and we don't care what it takes to get what we want. Mm. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And open, opening Riyadh season with that is like you're hitting two markets there as well with the UFC star, boxing star. And, and, and that's, yeah, it's not about making money at this stage. It's all, it's all about announcing their, their arrival on the boxing stage. I totally, totally get that. I mean, it's an interesting one because if you look at, after that Fury performance, you go, what is the biggest fight in boxing today? What would the biggest fight in boxing be today? Because I don't believe it's Fury versus... In heavyweight it? boxing? Yeah. Well, if, you, if, you're, if you're, I should imagine, and you can speak to this just as well as I can, if you are a, a great believer that the belts need to be unified in this four-belt mm. division, as we have now, then, and you're a purist, you want to see an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, don't you? What does the biggest pay-per-view buy us? Again, depends what you think. It depends what you judge boxing by. Are you mm. judging it by what is the best fight, or are you judging by what no, generates the best the most fight. revenue? No, what, ge what generates the best, most pay-per-view sales? What I'm saying is, so that, that what I mean by that is, who are the biggest names in boxing to generate that? I believe it's Joshua Joshua Fury. I think that's still the biggest fight out there. Not, for, I, I, I get the boxing fans, the boxing purists. We all want the undisputed. That's the fight we want. Hopefully, we get that in late February. I think that's the rumours, isn't it? That we get that, but I think the biggest fight out there financially is still Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Maybe going on those going on those box office. Yeah, numbers. I think so. But you, 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 we're in, we're we're in danger of being in an echo chamber and in a in a prism where we look at it through the eyes of a UK boxing scene, right? right? Because I'm not entirely sure the world scene looks at Anthony Joshua right now um, as a viable challenger. Tyson Fury based upon his last two performances albeit now that's been thrown upside down mm. because people are going to look at Tyson Fury in a different way I don't think that fight um, determines the outcome of the Usyk fight when Fury fights definitely him. not but I think the biggest boxing and I think the biggest fight in heavyweight boxing right now through intrigue and and um, cross-atlantic engagements and potential value um, is Joshua versus Wilder yeah I think that's nice. a shootout it's not a case of a big man fighting a small cruiserweight. That sure. both 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 fighters now, Usyk and and um, uh, Fury are slightly diminished a little bit because people are beginning to wonder if Usyk's seen his better days after his performance against Daniel mm. Dubois and a vulnerability has been shown. And then you look at Fury and say you've been knocked on your ass by a by a, a an MMA fighter. With, with Fury though, that fear because that fear factor isn't there. That's why historically you look through his performances and he does that where he box. If he's boxing someone that's a lesser caliber, yeah. he will box below par. And we saw yeah. that against Ngannou. The downfall for Ngannou in this one, by the way, is because now people are going, well, Ngannou's proved himself and that he can compete with all the top heavyweights. You're talking about Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. The downfall for Ngannou is when he fights, if he fights Anthony Joshua, if he fights Deontay Wilder, is they will be prepared for that, knowing what he yeah. is, 
and it will be a different outcome. Yeah. And I think that Fury's paid the price for that because I think that Fury boxed below par for those but reasons. But he reaps what he sows because he wanted to take this fight. I don't care how many times um, people get irritated or they want to justify it. It should have been a stroll in the park for him. Yes. It should have been uh, uh, an opportunity to bank some money, establish the relationship with the Saudis and move on to the next thing. And as it stands, again, for some part of me, I don't know why, I just think that the more intriguing fight is Joshua versus Wilder. Yeah, and I, I like think, that. And I think everything should be, should be pulled out to try and make that fight, if they can make it commercially viable in, the full, in, 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 in returns to what the fighters want. Look, but from a history point of view, we want the undis- last undisputed yeah. fight we had 1999 yeah. was Evander Holyfield. Yeah, and I, um, went, and I went to that. Yeah, yeah versus, right, Lennox versus Lennox Lewis. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, so we, from, from a history point of view, we need the undisputed. It's what we've all yeah, wanted. But that, even that was shrouded in, 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 in controversy. Tr- controversy, because yeah, I went to the Madison draw. Square Garden fight. Yeah. And, and, and I think that Lennox absolutely categorically won it. I went to the, to the one in, uh, in, in Las Vegas. A lot closer. And uh, I think actually Evander Holyfield <laughs> won the fight. Yeah, uh, And exactly. they gave it to Lennox. Yeah. Um, but look, do you think we're going to see any of the major heavyweights out again in 23? I mean, we haven't got much le- long of it left. No, we haven't. And that's, that's my mass- major concern. Because I know Anthony Joshua wants to box in December or before Christmas. I know that he wants to do that. And I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be possible now because I think we're running out of time. I don't know where that is because I've, I've heard that Zele Zhang is injured. I think Frank Warren said that, that Zele Zhang was injured. Did he? So he's out, and that's a fight that I would love to have seen, right. Joshua versus Zhang. So, I, yeah, I believe that Zhang is out until after Christmas. Don't know where Joe Joyce is. I mean, Joe Joyce, Anthony Joshua is a fight I wouldn't mind seeing. I don't know. But I just don't, I don't think time's on our side, Simon. Mm. I'm totally honest. What are we talking, seven weeks, seven, eight weeks? Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be enough time. I'm not sure that we do see any of the heavyweights out of game before Christmas. Do you think that Ngannou has a, pay, a, 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 um, a place at the table here? Or? I, think, I think we could see someone like Ngannou versus Joseph Parker. I think December, were they talking December the 15th or something, December the 9th or yeah. one of those dates that, that I heard that could be possible. Do you think Joe Parker's got a place in the heavyweight division now of any significance? Listen, I think it's just another big fight for the Saudis. I think it's just a game, like you said, it's not about the financial reward at the moment. And I think the Saudis, just about them getting recogni- um, recognition. You think the Saudis would put on Ngannou versus Joe Parker? I, I think they would. I think they would. Do you? No, I can't see why. Um, because Parker Joe- had a good win out there last time on the, on the undercard. He looked all right. And I think that Ngannou done himself well as well. And I just think that... Look, it's not going to be it's not going to be a fight like Fury and Garner. It's not going to be on that sort of scale or, or like Joshua versus Usyk. But what I'm saying is, I think there's I think there's still a home for it. I think there's a, they, the Saudis will still have an appetite for that. If we're not going to see um, any of the big heavyweights out this year, and Joseph Parker versus Francis, do you think we're going to have any of the heavyweights out? I mean, who, if, if, I if think, so, I, who I do think you think? We should, I think we should try and see Anthony Joshua out. I, I really, think, I really I think, hope we do. And maybe Daniel Dubois, but whether, yeah. who they get matched against, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Fury's going to fight Usyk if, we're, if, we're, if what we're led to believe is true, which is no reason to say that it isn't. Yeah. Frank Warren's absolutely adamant that they're going to fight. He always was consistent that they were going to fight in Riyadh season. So I don't, I'm not the one losing my mind over the December 23rd dates. Um, and, you know, again, it's a Fury uh, observation that it needs to be fought on the 23rd. And they're saying it's a Fury observation on the back of Usyk saying to them, you've got to fight on the 23rd. But I understand with Fury, because of where he's at and, and how hard that fight ended up being, his body will need time to recover. Hence, 
I think the 23rd was a date that they really yeah. wanted. That was the penciled in date. But I think now Fury needs a bit of time off. And, and talking end of Riyadh season, yeah. aren't you? End of February. Time. But there's an irony, and we discussed it last week about Fury needing time off in the same way that Anthony Joshua would have needed time off after the Usyk, second Usyk loss. Yeah. And we saw the psychological effect of that second loss, mm. yet there was no forbearance in the Fury camp. He has to fight by the end of November. Yeah which is a pretty much the same period. So yep. what's sauce for the goose should be good for the gander, right? Understood. But when we, when, we, um, when we look at the shake-up next year, if we see Fury versus Usyk in February, where do you think Anthony Joshua is likely to land? If he doesn't fight in December, he, when was the last time he fought? July? Um, August time, was it July, August time, I think it was? Right. Was it, yeah? Was it August? I think so. Robert Hellenius. Yeah. I yes, it was. was. Sorry, August yes, it was, time, because yeah. I just come back. So it was, um, yeah, it was August the 15th or something like that, yes, wasn't it? Yeah. And around that sort of time. Yeah. So, you know, you'd like to think Anthony was going to get out in December, but if he doesn't, where do you see, where, when and where do you think he'll land? And then we've got the next question about Joe Joyce. Then we've got the next question about Zilli Zhang. Then yeah. we've got the next question about Daniel Dubois. Yeah, and I, and I think that the names you've just mentioned there, I can see them all sort of mixing together now, and that's because this undisputed fight is coming together. I think that we've got to throw Deontay Wilder, obviously, in that mix as well. But I think that we now see these guys all getting it on as opposed to trying to wait for this opportunity. Filip Hergovic is there as well. Yep. He's waiting for his shot as well. Yep. But listen, while this undisputed fight goes on and there's that rematch clause in it as well, yet the titles will become fragmented and, and the guys might be out of box for ones. But you've got to see your Hergovic's versus, you know, your Anthony Joshua's, Deontay Wilder, Joshua. But it's also an opportunity, isn't there, on a slightly further down the pecking order in this country yeah. for other people to steal a march and fill that vacuum. Fraser Clark, Fabio Wardley, yeah. Moses Atuma. They can gain a lot of interest and traction if there's fights made for those guys during this period of time Definitely. and fill that vacuum Absolutely. and start to build up their backstories and start to build create up... Create the next superstars, Create the yeah. next raft of interest, yeah. commerciality and peak the public's interest in these guys because I thought Fabio did very well yeah. against David Adelaide. He stopped Rose again yeah. massively. And Absolutely. David Adelaide was in the studio Saturday, by the way, and he took the feet very graciously and he said, you know what, look, sometimes that can make a fighter. You know, yeah. looking, going back to when David Hay uh, lost to Cole Thompson, he went away, mm -hmm. he rebuilt and he come back and he achieved what he achieved. Mm -hmm. And he, so he understands where it is, but he was very gracious in, in defeat, which I liked about that. He said that's, if anything, made him force him to work harder. And so I think he still very much fits in that picture because experience beat him as opposed to anything else. I think he blew a gasket after about six rounds. But Fabio Wardley, for me, stock rose again because, he's, yeah, he's going to become a serious contender, I think, Fabio. He looked good. We're a little bit dry on the boxing front at the moment, aren't we? I mean, we do need something significant to happen. We've got some fights. We've got Chris Billingsmith fighting. Yeah. Um, we've got... Ryan Garcia fighting. Adam Azim on November Adam Azim fighting. The European. But there's, I mean, hopefully, if we're, you know, given, I, I don't know if you're hearing these noises, but there's a growing sense of optimism that maybe we might see the Boatsi Aziz fight. Early part of next this, year. This early part of this, I thought, I, I was under the impression we might see it before Christmas. I don't think we will. No? No. I, but unless Aziz is healing better than mm. what I originally thought, I think it's going to be Early part of next year, and I'm I'm thinking January sort of time, around January 20th, around that sort of date. I think, yeah, I don't think we see it this side of Christmas. I tell you what was interesting as well, while there's not a lot of fights going on, was watching the runners and riders in sports media, and what's happening in that space. And there was obviously some indexing, or there was some indexing towards Netflix, and yeah. Netflix being a potential broadcaster coming into this space and creating, we've watched The Zone, um, and I personally think the Saudis will buy the zone. 
Yeah. That's what I think will happen. That's an interesting uh, and, one, yeah. And, and we'll see if that happens. Mm. Um, but obviously we've heard, or not obviously, we are beginning to hear rumblings of Netflix potentially wanting to get involved in the sports market. They've always stayed out of it. December the 15th is the rumour with Jake Paul. Yeah. Um, they've always stayed out of it, Netflix, yeah. because the cost, the cost implication of buying sports rights has been a deterrent. Their business model has been to, first of all, buy other people's content, put it up on their pl platform and develop a subscriber base. Then they started to produce their own content. But they've always been deterred because the cost of sports broadcasting has been a, has been a problem for them. So why, but, the, why show the appetite now? What is, well, what I think is the they've seen, well, well, they're, they're seeing this traction of the Drive to Survive series uh, with the F1. They've seen the traction, okay, the Beckham documentary is something unique because it's, he's a, considered to be a social icon and so yeah. he transcends just sport. But you know, you look at the all or nothings with the Tottenham's of the world and the Sunderland's of the world and they've seen the engagement and then they might be looking at a sport like boxing that doesn't have the same cost implications behind it as football to acquire the mm. rights. And I think it's an interesting one because... Could it be because of the collapse though, of HBO and Showtime it, and stuff well, like that as well? Yeah. You go, there's, there's, a, there's a bigger opportunity now. With could be. It could be a variety of things. But it's also interesting because you're watching the Amazons of the world. You know, I, I, I was one of my uh, good friends is the former creative uh, mm. operating officer, the number two at Amazon. Yeah. And one of the big things that he was talking about um, was the interest in Amazon acquiring sports rights. Yeah. And, of course, they've done it in the Premier League. Are they interested in boxing? Well, I'm about to get to that. But they've also done it in, in, in American football. And one of the most successful campaigns, because don't forget Amazon is, is a selling machine. It's all about drawing eyes onto the Amazon prize and being able to distribute through it. So when they bought the Premier League rights, it was all about doing the whole fixture list on what day? Boxing Day. What's one of the biggest sell days of the year? Boxing Day. Now, the boxing space is ripe for this. And I think someone like an Amazon or Netflix coming in because it's a it's a strange landscape in terms of broadcasting mm. you know but maybe that's because there's not enough content out there but it seems to me that you've got Sky over here you've got you've got TNT or BT Sport as it once yeah. was yeah you've got the zone which I don't quite know what the zone are actually achieving yeah um, albeit they're getting more and more subscribers and I know that they'll probably not like this observation that I don't think it's a particularly good platform but I haven't thought it's a particularly good platform mm. um, and I think Netflix, if they're coming to the table, there is, there, is, there is lots more that can be done with boxing from a broadcast point of view. How would it affect these broadcasters, though? Like, because, like you say there, it's an interesting one. Because with Netflix, the younger generation, my kids and, and the younger generation all watch Netflix. They don't really watch TV. They don't watch Sky. So what I'm saying is it would sort of capture that market. How do you think, if Netflix do decide to come into, into boxing, it would affect own? It would affect TNT? Uh, Sky Sports. Well, do you think it would have an effect on them yeah, as in viewing figures? What it might do is drive the price up. No, I don't mean for the consumer. I mean for the industry to get more broadcasting revenue. Right. Because if you've got a Netflix, <coughs> Netflix is <coughs> not a hugely profitable business, but it's got a business that's doing, it's got a market cap of about 255 billion. So as far as the size of business, it's huge. So if you've got more broadcasters coming in, there's a tendency that it can make it more disparate, which means like the Premier League now in football, you've got 15 different subscriptions to watch it across different platforms to sure. try and get the content that you want. What it might do is it might increase revenues in the sport because then you've got more competitive tension. You've got more people that are saying, I want to buy these rights, so I'm going to pay more money for them. And all of a sudden, Sky and TNT are being, channel are being challenged by VOD platforms because the zone is a video on demand platform. 
Netflix is a video on demand platform. I think it opens up a different opportunity, but it may well just be because my understanding of it is is that they're looking at Jake Paul yeah. as their headline act, and it may just be that they're going for a certain marketplace where they be- know generate huge huge yeah. numbers. Yeah. I, I think that the more discussions, you know, you've got businesses signing deals with American networks mm. now. You've got Boxer trying to create different broadcasting opportunities and open yeah. up different marketplaces. I think the boxing world is still susceptible and ripe for better commercialization. And if the Netflix of the world come in and put more eyes on the prize and mm. create more revenue for the sport, and, and the economics of it are that the, the consumer, the punter that's watching it, gets to see more of the sport, more mm. of the feelings about the sport, and actually more live content um, in a different fashion, then I, I think it's a good thing. Do you think, though, with Netflix coming in with a Jake Paul, I mean, he gets his own numbers because he's got a huge number, so yeah. it won't really tell the, tell the proper numbers of if you had a fight with two, two, two boxers as opposed to someone... I know, I know. Well, it's street, it gets... I mean, look, I mean, Jake Paul... Does that make sense? Jake Paul, yeah. Jake what Paul. I'm saying is the numbers will be huge when Jake Paul boxes, but what happens when you get a... Well, I don't... You know, so, I don't think, White I, versus Joseph Parker type fight. Well, I don't know. I mean, it ultimately depends how Netflix want to position themselves. If they want to go for something live. Now, if they're going for a Jake Paul of the world, which has a subscriber set of numbers that they can bring and they can cross-fertilise, and the content they watch Jake Paul for, they can pick and match in other aspects of Netflix. Right. It, it, all about how big their appetite is and what their agenda is. I personally think the more people that are talking about boxing in broadcasting terms, yeah. the better it is. Right. You know, the days of Showtime and HBO and the ascent of Mike Tyson and the scale of the, the, the rewards for fighters mm. are, are, are only being really replicated by Canelo Alvarez and, and Floyd Mayweather yeah. and, and actually Anthony Joshua. Yeah. No one else has really got to those sort of heights. And sure. I'm not advocating for that to be the case that ultimately we see 400 million dollar boxing deals signed and that Tyson Fury must be paid half a billion quid. What I'm mm. advocating for is the growing of the sports. Sure. And also, hopefully, the more broadcasters get involved. What happens with broadcasters, they want good content. And then we stop this yeah. about fights not being made. Yeah. WBC being prepared to have a fighter not fight for a year for, you know, for one of their belts. Mm-hmm. Four or five different belts being scattered. You might see a streamlining and a new format coming out of boxing, and there might be different ideas that start to see a methodology that delivers the best fights, delivers, delivers relationships with fighters, sure. builds up more tribalism. Because I think the interesting thing about boxing is that it's a fascinating engagement, but the tribalism side of sport, where you pick your team, isn't in boxing. You pick your fighter, you move on yeah. to the next one. And I think these are all things that can change in the boxing landscape. And I think there's going to be some interesting formats, whether, you know, the prize fighter format and an expansion of that, whether mm. there's an opportunity to change the way that boxing is watched so that you can watch the North versus the South in a league competition where right. there's more outcomes. You've got the Professional Fighters League in MMA trying to create more jeopardy in every single fight. So I think there's just a, fa- a fascinating sure. landscape. and I, Changing I, in the times. I hope so, because yeah. I, as, a, as an enthusiastic watcher you sit there and, and you watch some of it sometimes and you think this could be so much better for this brilliant mm-hmm. sport well that's where that's why i feel that we are in this this crossover changing in the times thing with the ufc fighters coming in the youtubers etc and yeah let's see let's watch this space anyway slightly different episode this week but um hopefully 
equally as compelling. That's it for episode 47. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And myself and Spencer, we'll see you next time out.